You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Amen. Give the Lord another shout. God bless you. You may be seated if you can. And this morning, I'm going to share uh, with you the, on the topic of divine alignment. And so when we say that, it sounds like a very uh, you know, serious top topic, but it is because really alignment determines how we run the race. It determines how we go on the journey. It determines that whether we get there or not. And when we get there, that we're still loving Jesus. We're still alive. We're still uh, as strong today as we were when we started. You look at uh, Moses, Joshua, Caleb, you know, they, 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 they were those that, that continued to keep their eye on the vision, even in the midst when there was the herd mentality around them and, and all the things happening where people came and said, oh, there's going to be a battle. Sometimes we start our Christian journey and we, we don't know that there's a battle. No one told us. They just said, come to Jesus. All your problems will be okay. And God loves you and you come. And guess what? Now you've got to go and fight lions and bears and giants. Are you here? The weapons are over are mighty. The Bible says, why do we got weapons? Because we got to fight. And what are we fighting? We're not fighting to defeat the devil because the devil's always, always de- defeated. But what we're fighting, we're fighting to fight the fight of faith. To lay hold of what God has for us. To lay hold of the journey. And that's what our Christian life is about. Why on earth are we here? Well, I just love to worship Jesus. You could do that better in heaven. Or the angels. How many believe that? I mean, we have a great team this morning, but come on, can you imagine an orchestra and, and, and you know, the, the, the choir of heaven with all the angels? I'm ready for that. And so we, we look at the, 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 the reason that we're here is to fulfill God's purpose in our life. David said that I served God in my generation. And so God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Tell your neighbors that you have a purpose. But in order for us to accomplish that, we need to be in divine alignment. And as we begin to move into this hour, the Bible says that what can be shaken will be shaken. That, that judgment comes to the house of God first, and then it comes into, into the nations. But what really is that judgment? God's not judging us as sinners. How many of you saved? Well, does that mean you're righteous this morning? Positionally, you're righteous. When the Father looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. Are you here? You're righteous. So what is he judging us on? He's judging us on whether we're in alignment with his word, whether we're in alignment with his will. And so as we see these times coming on, there's pressure and we see tumultuous times and, you know, what's happening in the Middle East and how many of you know it's a little concerning? And all of a sudden, within a day, everything changed. It was the Sabbath. It was Yom Kippur. It was a day where you know, they were celebrating the biggest holiday, the biggest feast of the year. And terrorists came in and started shooting and killing people and, and raping women and raping children. And evil is alive and well in the earth. And we look at it and we think, how could these things happen? And it's not about a race. We love Palestinians. Come on. We love Jews. We love Gentiles. We love everybody. You better love Gentiles. You're one probably, <laughs> unless you're not Jewish. It's not about loving, it's not about conflict, but it's about just pure evil to where the devil would want to wipe off God's people from the face of the earth so that the eternal promise and the prophecies would not be fulfilled. And that's really what we're facing. I'm not here to get political this morning, but we need to interpret what's happening in the world through the Bible. So many believers, they don't know the Bible. You know, if I say this morning, let's open up, um, go to Hezekiah chapter 4. And people don't know, they think it's after Jeremiah. But Hezekiah's not even in the Bible. We, we, we don't know our instruction manual. So many people, we don't know the word of God. And what do we do? We, we, we love God, we know God loves us, but we need to move on from just basic Christianity into purpose. Amen? Second Timothy 3 verse 1 says this, but know this, in other words, what's it saying? Get ready. In the last days, perilous times will come. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, we've seen that, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, 
and from such people turn away. What is he saying? In the last days will be perilous times. And all of those things, we can see it. People who are unloving, people who are unforgiving, slanderers, people who lack self-control and do crazy stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All of those signs are there. But he's not just talking to the world. What is he saying? That the world will enter into the church. Or I should say the spirit of the world. The world system will try to come into the church. And guess what happens? We have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. And we, it says, from such people turn away. What does it mean to have a form of godliness? It means you're going through the routines. And that's what religion is about. We can go through the routines. So what do we do? We show up for church. We might even go to a connect group. We go through the motions. But, but what, we're, we're living our life for ourselves. And the Bible says, you know, in the last days, the wheats and the tares will grow together. What's the difference in the wheat and the tares? The wheat has fruit. They have godliness. The tares have a form. They look the same, but there's no fruit on the inside of them. And what determines whether we're wheat or whether we're fruit? It's whether or not Jesus is Lord in our lives. Because Jesus died that all men would be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the, the salvation will come. And everyone wants the blessing of God. How many of you want blessing? Amen. I'll take some of you don't want it. But it's not just about the blessing. It's about in receiving salvation and receiving forgiveness and receiving right standing with God and receiving authority that we now begin to live our life for the mission of God. That we begin to live our life in obedience for, for God. That our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price. And God's not a hard taskmaster. He's not there trying to make us a slave. He wants our willful surrender. He wants our willful obedience. And he won't force it. But if we don't follow God and we don't begin to align ourselves and have divine alignment, what will happen? We're not going to see the blessing of God in our lives. And so the Bible talks about the last days, and it says the last days will be like the days of Noah. How many remember the story of Noah? And a flood came on the earth, and Noah was building this ark for years according to the, the principle of God, the pattern of God. And he was telling everyone, you need to get ready. We're going to repent. Destruction is coming on the face of the earth. And everybody was like, this guy's crazy. It had never rained before. But what happened when the judgment came? The door of the ark was closed and it was too late. And there'll come a time when it will be too late to, 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 to turn to Jesus. Because Jesus comes and grace is lifted and it's a day of judgment. Not for the believers that are walking with him. We're not going to be judged for sin. We're going to be judged and rewarded for our obedience. Are you here? He'll say, some of you, you made it. Come on in. That's your reward. Others will say, you were faithful over the little. I'm going to make you faithful over much. Now you get to rule over thousands. Tens of thousands. And we're going to be rewarded. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. We need to know. Some of you are looking at me like, really? Read your Bible. Know what's happening. Know the end of the story. Come on, we win. As we look at the Middle East and what's happening, Israel will not lose the, you know, Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem, Jesus is going to come back to the Jews. And they're going to look, the Messiah is coming. He's like, yeah, I'm coming the second time. And they're like, what? They missed him the first time, but the second time they're going to realize that he, he's come. Come on. And people read the Bible. They close up and seal up the east gate. But guess what? No sealing up of the east gate can keep Jesus. He's just going to flick his finger and walk on through. Come on. You think Captain Marvel's got something. He ain't got nothing on Jesus. Come on. And so what does it say? In the days of Noah... This will be the coming of the Lord. For in the days where before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and it took them all away. So also will be the Son of Man coming. What does it say? In the midst of, of destruction, in the midst of what's happening, in the midst of lawlessness, where people just do whatever they want to do. You know, we even have a brand called Nike. Just do it. And that's great. Just do it. You know, be, step out in faith. Do things. But, but now it's what, if I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. I don't care how it hurts anyone. I don't care of the ramifications. If I want something, I'm going to do it. And nobody's going to tell me what to do. We got really quiet here this morning. Welcome to Santa Cruz. Welcome to California. It's the same. 
and we're living for ourselves. And so what happens? <laughs> this whole lawlessness comes in our life. Even with women, we have the women's lib movement, you know, liberating women. Well, Jesus has liberated women already. You don't have to try to liberate yourself. So what do I do? I'm going to try to be like a man. If God made you a woman, don't try to be a man. That's all this craziness started. But what do we do? We try to emasculate and pull down man, men to have strong women. And no strong woman wants a weak man. Hello? Come on. If, oh, here we go. Come on. If you go on a date and that man doesn't have enough money to pay for your dinner, tell him to get a job and get his life in order before he asks you out. And all the ladies said, now, I'm not saying if, you, if you're struggling, but say, hey, I'd love to talk. Can we have a coffee? You know, I'm, I, I, you know, I can't buy dinner, but I'd love to have coffee with you. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not about money, but come on, don't go there and look and create an awkwardness. Are we going Dutch? I am not Dutch. I'm German. Come on. Come on, we, 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 need to, we need to understand. And so, and so what we have, and then we have weak men that are intimidated by women. Come on, don't, don't, don't. If God's called you to be a leader, grow yourself. Be strong. Come on, if you want to grow yourself, what do you do? Start exercising. Well, I don't like the fat. I can't see my bicep. Well, start exercising and it'll come out. Well, I'm not so spiritual. All the women in Freedom House are so strong and so spiritual. Well, why don't you start praying? Why don't you start getting in the word of God? Why don't you start serving? Come on, I know you got strong guys here. Let's get it up for the men and women of the house. Amen? That's a strong church. But we need to stop making excuses. We try to pull women down or we try to um, pull, pull men down to make ourselves feel better. No. God is, has determined an order. God has determined the way that things are put. He's the designer. He created identity. And so right now we have a, the struggle in the world today is the struggle with identity. We have six-year-olds, seven-year-olds who don't know if they're a boy or a girl. Struggling. Well, I think I'm a, I don't know if I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl today. I think I'm a boy today. People even think that they're cats. I'm talking about putting litter boxes in the bathrooms in our schools. This is craziness. And, and what is it? And we look at it, and I don't say that. We laugh sometimes. We think that's crazy. But what is it? It shows the brokenness of families. Because in the home is where our identity should come. In our homes, we should let everyone know, if you're a boy, you are beautifully made in the sight of God, and God's giving you a role, and God's giving you a function. Come on. If you are a woman, you are beautifully made, and you don't need to feel that you're second class and need to try to be a man. Are you here? Men, we have certain characteristics that are strengths. Women have certain characteristics or strengths. Men are the stronger physical vessels. We have more testosterone. That's why in sports, how can women and men compete? There's a disadvantage. It's not fair. Are you here? And so we, we get into this whole thing of trying to recreate things, and it's create chaos in our world today, families are broken down. What's going to happen? Well, you know, it's, it's not God ideal. Can two women love a child? Of course they can. Can two men love a child? Of course they can. But if all we have is women and women and men and women, guess what? We're going to have no more children. Uh, we didn't think about that. Think about what's happening. And so what happened? It's a, it's a struggle with identity. And I'm not saying that. If you struggle with that identity, come to Jesus and let Jesus determine who you are. Come on. If you're a woman, come on, you can be beautiful, you can be athletic, you don't have to be the airbrush model that's not real, it's fake. If you're a man, come on, you don't have to just look, you know, like a muscular person, everybody looks like Liam Hensworth, and you know, and, and like that's a man and I feel intimidated. No, you can be creative, you can play the piano, you can be musical, you can be, that doesn't determine our manhood. What's our manhood that we're like Jesus Christ? That we're fulfilling the role that he gave it. He called us a man, not society. Are you here? And so we, we need to get, get, stop the insanity. We need to get back to it. But if the church, we can't do it, how are we ever going to impact the world? If we don't know what we believe, if we're not strong in our identity, we cannot bring change. 
is those they study and they want to know what's counterfeit and they look at counterfeit money. They don't study the counterfeit. They study the genuine. They study the real. And they're so familiar with it, they can spot the counterfeit in a moment. Jesus says they'll be the counterfeit Christian. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And he says to the church, turn away from such people. Not because we don't love, but because we don't want a little leaven leavening the whole bunch. We need to build our life on the word of God. We need to build our life and have order. God has put an ark that brings protection to us. Today, we see sinners. They hate God's wisdom. We see people, they don't want to listen to anyone. No one's going to tell me what to do. We're, we're too busy living our own lives, and many times even in the church. And so we need to get into the ark. The greatest gift that God's given us in faith is the ark. <laughs> and we need to have a proper alignment. Someone say alignment. alignment. How many of you ever had a car and your car was out of alignment? You know, when I was growing up, my first car was a Pontiac station wagon piece of junk car. But that's what I had. It was a hand-me-down. But that thing had a 450. It was fast. And I just dated myself. Some of you are looking, what's a 450? But some of y'all know. Come on. You hit the gas on thing, it would move. But because it was old, I, I would drive that car, and the tires started wearing wrongly. Even though it would go straight, but when I had the, the wheels straight, it would wiggle like this. It would shake a little bit like that. Some of y'all drove to church this morning. You're getting a revelation, a word of knowledge. Come on. Get your car aligned. And, and, and the tires are wearing out. That's what happens when we're as Christians. Our lives are not aligned. What happens? It, the journey is tough. We, I'm so tired. I'm so, why are you so tired? You slept eight hours last night. But guess what? You're out of alignment. So the pressures that are there are overwhelming you. And what happens when we're out of alignment and I take my hands off the wheel, the car would move to the right. Because I was out of alignment and I would take my car and get it in alignment. And guess what? There was a smooth ride. Come on. God wants to bring alignment to his church, alignment to our lives so that we can feel the purpose of God that he has for us. Someone say alignment. You look at a video projector. How many of you ever been to a movie and you're watching? You're like, is my glasses off or what's going on? It's fuzzy because it's out of alignment. It needs to come into focus. God wants to bring focus to our life. I've had times where my body was out of alignment. Someone say amen. Come on. And what happened? My, my, I had my C5, 4, uh, my vertebrae's out, and I'm flying. And what happened? It's a little out of alignment, and it hits that nerve, and, and I have pain. And I have to ice it and put my legs up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm only in my 20s. Something's wrong. It's the devil. <laughs> Come on. Tagging my body. But what was the problem? It wasn't the devil. I'm out of alignment. I've been sitting on airplanes too long. My body was not made for that. And so I would go to the chiropractor. God bless chiropractors. Come on. And I would go to that chiropractor and he would look and say, you're out of alignment. And he and crack me back in place. And guess what? The pain would go away. I'd get better. And guess what? I had to, for a season, go through treatments to stay in alignment. And now I have no back problem. Come on, give the Lord a hand. So sometimes our problem is not the devil. We're out of alignment. And in the church, we can be so devil conscious. And why are we so devil conscious? Because it's so easy to blame the devil rather than take responsibility for where we're out of alignment. Let me tell you, the devil is not as powerful as God. He's not God's brother. He's not Jesus' brother. Hollywood comes up with all this crazy nonsense. You watch a movie like Lucifer and Jesus were brothers. That is not the Bible. Lucifer was a created being. He was the angel of light. But what happened? He thought he was light. And so when he connected from the light, from a God, he became darkness. But he can only be in one place at one time. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Jesus defeated the devil based on the finished work of Christ on the cross. Come on. The Bible says in Ephesians, he ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. He has the name above every other name. Come on. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But it doesn't stop there. He raised us. Someone say, he raised me. 
He raised us. He raised you. He raised me up to sit together in that place of victory. Well, I'm fighting the devil. Well, why are you fighting the devil? Come on. Well, I, last night I was being attacked. Satan came into my room. Are you kidding me? The same time he was attacking me, he can't be in two places at once. Are you here? I can only be here. I can't be in my church this morning. Pastor Robert, he was with Pastor Wendy last night. He wasn't with you. Come on. He can only be in one place one time. The devil is all powerful, and he can't read your mind. How does he know? How, do, how does he get power by what you say? So are we empowering God in our life, or are we empowering the devil and demons? Because familiar spirits, what do they do? They listen to everything you say. And familiar spirits, they're, they're working against us. There's principalities. There's powers that are there. But what? Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Don't give the, well, I'm struggling. God knows. Come on. Don't be giving up devil ammunition. Don't get under shame. What's between you and God? Deal with it. Are you here? And so many times we blame the devil or we blame demons. And are demons alive and well? Of course they are. But the early church, you look, the early church didn't have a lot of problem with demons. You don't see Paul casting the spirit out of Peter. Peter casting the spirit out of John. You know, rolling on the floor. <laughs> Where is that? Why? Because their lives were submitted to the lordship of Jesus. What is godliness? We don't just receive the savior part, but Jesus is Lord of our life. He's Lord of all. Our life is no longer our own. It's been bought with a price and we're living our life for Jesus Christ. Come on, that's a good place to shout. And if you're living your life for Jesus Christ, you're submitted to Jesus Christ, the devil can't touch it. Are you here? But when your life is not in alignment, that's where we open up. So why do we have a problem with demons? Why? Why are we struggling in our finance? Because you don't tithe. I'll go real quiet here this morning. What does the Bible say? If you, if you tithe, you're in a covenant with God, the heavens will be open over your life. Contrarily, you don't tithe, you're in no covenant with God, and the heavens are closed. Pastor, please pray for me. I can't pray for you. It's ain't magic. Your life's out of alignment. You're not positioned for blessing. Can you imagine the farmer? He sits there drinking his coffee, looking at the field. Oh, thank you, God, for the field. But he doesn't plow the ground. He doesn't fertilize it. He doesn't water it and put seeds in the ground. Is he going to have a harvest? And he gets so upset at the Christian down the street. How come that farmer has a harvest? Are you here? Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Whatever you don't sow, you have no opportunity to reap. It's about alignment. Come on. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Say, so all the church wants your money. We say, oh, no, that's not true. It's true. We want your money because we want your seed so that you can prosper and get a harvest. If you don't put your seed in the house, you're not going to get a harvest. This year, I'm so provoked. I'm so tired of Christians being poor. And being broke and struggling. Come on, it's time for us to prosper and to be a lighthouse to people in the midst of what's happening in the world and economy and inflation. They look at us and we're still blessed. We're in the land of Goshen and we're still seeing harvest and we're prospering. Why? Because our prosperity is not dependent upon the kingdom of this world. Come on, it's dependent upon the kingdom of God. Amen. We need, to, we need to, to, to get rid of this religiousness. So we have a form of godliness. We put our $3 inside. If that ain't your tithe, keep your $3. You're deceiving yourself. You're not going to be blessed. Are you here? It's a Don't get mad at me. I didn't write this. I just have to repeat it. <laughs> Who set up the kingdom? Who set up the alignment? God did. And, and let's get out of the place where we're done. We're just going and all the pressures are taking us out because our life is not in alignment. How do we get in alignment? Luke 7 verse 7, it says, this is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. Someone say under authority. 
He said, I have soldiers under me, and I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. What is he saying? He's beginning to describe order, alignment. Are you here? Because if I'm aligned, there's a the spiritual authority that's there over my life. When I'm in alignment to the word of God, when I'm in alignment in the church, blessing begins to flow. He says, I understand alignment. And I understand you have all power and authority if you speak the word because you are the, the Lord of all, it's going to come to pass. And so what does alignment mean? It means whatever Jesus tells you to do, you do it. Whatever the Bible tells you to do it, you do it. Well, I don't agree about that. I don't think it's relevant to, for today. It is relevant because God created this world. He's got the owner's manual, you know. We like to do things our own. How many ever bought something and you throw the instructions to the side and you try to put the thing together? Tried that. And then what happens? When you can't do it, you go back to the instruction manual. It's time to get back to the instruction manual. Because sometimes you, come on, come on, give the Lord a shout. Amen. And then sometimes you put it together and it looks good, but you got five extra screws. You got the form, but it ain't got the power. And it can't hold any weight. And you put up, your wife starts putting the stuff on it, and the whole thing falls apart. And you blame, oh, who made such a cheap thing? You didn't follow the instruction manual. We've got to have alignment. Someone say alignment. How do you have alignment? You've got to be planted in the house of God. Fish are in the sea. Birds are in the air. If you're a Christian, you need to be in the church. Are you here? James 4 verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee for you. How do you have victory in your life? How do you overcome the devil? You've got to submit yourself to God, to his word. Submit yourself to, to the house of God. Say, well, I just, I, I don't want to listen to nobody but Jesus. Where is Jesus? In heaven. But what did Jesus do? In Ephesians 4, it says, I gave gifts and put them in men. An apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I put anointings in them. And he said, and I put them in the church. I gave those gifts, those people to, to my church, to the believers, to help them, to equip them so that we can take on the stature of the nature, the fullness of God. Come on, the fastest way to maturity is to have a coach. And God's put coaches in the church. So I'm doing all right. Yeah, but you can be practicing the wrong thing. You need a coach because sometimes we're doing stuff and we're doing it wrong. And we're like, oh, I'm good. I know some people, they're, they're terrible at worship. And I say, well, what, do you worship God? You need to worship. It's like, yeah, I'm worshiping four hours a day. I'm spending two hours with the Lord doing the wrong thing for three or four hours. Reinforcing the wrong behavior rather than reinforcing the good behavior. You got to get around people that can help you come to another level. Come on, and that's what the church is about. Come on, you believe that? Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Come on, I'm trying to help some people today. Amen. And when you're aligned, what happens? Then you resist the devil because what is it means to have submission? It means you're submitted to the mission. What is the mission for the church? As you're submitted and you're going this way, we're following God, what God has given to us here in Freedom House, in, in Santa Cruz, and we align with that. Guess what? you got no time for the devil. You're submitted to the mission of God. And guess what? When he tries to pull you, you're too busy. I ain't got no time for you, devil. Don't be talking to devils. What's your name? All these people on the internet, what's your name? And all, What do you want to talk to a lying spirit for? When did you? Well, Jesus did it one time to prove a point. You can have more than one demon. Come on, we know people can have more than one demon. You got no other reason to talk. Cast that thing out. Now, I, I saw on, on Instagram there was a post, and it was about Dr. Lester Summer, and I love this. And he was very strong in the deliverance ministry, and he was in overseas in the mission field. I think it was Africa, and the devil came in, and demons started trying to torment him with fear, and moved his bed to the other side of the room. He said, get out of here, devil, in Jesus' name. And the room went silent. He thought a moment. He said, get back here and put my bed where you found it in Jesus' name. Come on, that's spiritual authority. 
We glorify the devil. The devil is much more powerful than God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll run away from you because you're moving in the anointing of God and the protection of God. He can't touch you. He says, come on, demons, let's go find somebody else. Be planted in the house of God. To be planted means have roots. You don't just show up at Easter and Christmas. You don't just show up once a month. You've got roots. Well, I've got this, i got that. I heard one woman say, hey, I raised my children in the ways of God and let them know that the house of God is more important than soccer. It's more important than baseball. It's, I'm going to preach over here. It's more important than football. Some of y'all are not sure. And she said, my kids were at every practice, they're at every game, but if it came on Sunday during the Sabbath, when we give our hour, two hour to God, I let them know we're not playing because we honor the Lord, and that is first in our family. We got to look at our family sometime. Why are we having problems with our kids? Because they're not going to do what you say or what your pastor says, they're going to do what you do. If church isn't a priority to you, if prayer is not a priority to you, they're going to do what you do, not what you tell them to do. But if we raise our kids and let them know that we honor God above all else, we seek first the kingdom of God and everything else, and everything else makes an adjustment. Come on, that's going to be the value system of their life. You got to be planted. You got to be submitted to God's authority. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who give an account. Do this so that their work would be a joy and not a burden for that's no benefit to you. Come on, when you burden and wear your leaders out, guess what? They love you, but when they see you coming, they want to run the other direction. Come on. That is not toward your benefit. Come on, be a joy. Come on, don't be a goat. Be a sheep. Don't be a donk. I'm not going to go there. All right. <laughs> submission in the church. Submission to authority. Submission to your husband in a marriage. Oh, I can hear a pin drop on that one. <laughs> Submit to your husband in a marriage, not because he's better. The Bible says in Galatians 5, there's no Jew, Gentile, no male, nor female. We're all one in Christ. Yes, we are, but there's function. There's authority. It's like a kid coming and saying, I'm not listening to dad. I'm only going to listen to mom. How's that going to work? How are they going to respect dad? How is there going to be order there? We've got to say God put parents in there, not parent, parents. And praise God for all the single moms that are doing it alone with the help of God. But that's not God's ideal. Come on, give it up for the single moms. I had a single mom. But, but that's not God's best plan. His grace is sufficient. Thank God for the church that can come alongside that helped me. But, but we've got to submit. In a, in a marriage, the Bible says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands at his, as is fitting to the Lord. But again, what is submission? Do you remember? Submit to the mission. So, men, if we want our wives to follow us, we got to have a mission. Come on, we're taking them into green pastures. We're taking them into the call of God. We're taking them into the purpose of God. But a woman's not going to follow a man who's got no vision or mission. Well, you need to follow me, woman. Make me my dinner. And you're sitting on the couch and don't want to work. It's, a woman can't follow you. A woman will follow you as you're following Jesus. Are you here? We submit to the man as we're submitting to the Lord as a wife and we're because he's following Jesus and we want to go where Jesus is going. Are you here? And so again, it's not putting the man down the way. Well, I'm not going to submit to any man. I'm only submitted to Jesus. Stay single. That's okay. But stay single. Well, I don't want to stay single. I want to be the, wear the pants or, you know, I, he wears the pants, but I put them on. Come up with all these crazy stuff. You know, he's the head, but I turn the head. And guess what? You're not his wife. You become his mother and a man will not sleep with his mother. That's weird. Are you here? We've got to have right alignment because God determined the alignment. Are you here? And then we have to be submitted to human authority. First Peter two, verse 13. Submit, follow the mission, 
unto the Lord for your sake, for every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority. What is he saying? Respect the natural authority. Well, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I pay my taxes. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to drive however fast I want to drive. Guess what? You're going to end up in jail. Well, I got a ticket, but I'm not paying that ticket. You get a few tickets, they'll come after you and have a warrant for your arrest. And we have all this rebellion. I'm not going to submit to anyone. And then we disrespect authority. Well, I don't respect. He's not my president. Oh, got real quiet here. I might not agree with the leader, but I respect the office. I never dishonor. I never disrespect the office. Come on. And when you're following the mission of God, it don't matter who's in office. There were good kings and bad kings in the Old Testament, but they kept following God and they got to the promised land. Come on. No person can hinder the will of God in your life. And sometimes the leaders we have are the leaders we deserve. And God allows things to happen because in the bad times we start crying out to the Lord. When everything's good, how many of you know you pray a little bit less? But when does revival, when does reformation come? When does an awakening come? When people wake up and say, we need God, and we're heading downwards in bad times, and we cry out to God in perilous times. Come on. And God makes a way of escape. Come on. You believe they got the Lord to shout. Amen? Come on. Whether you believe it or not, that's the word. That's the pattern in the word. So we're headed for some t bad times. We're headed for some difficult times. Our, our country is in, in, in turmoil right now. But we're not just like, oh, Jesus, come rescue us now and hide our head under the pillow. Come on, we make sure our lives are aligned to the word of God. We make sure our lives are aligned to the mission of God. And we will weather every storm. Come on, and we'll be the salt and the light of the earth. And we can bring transformation to our world in Jesus' name. Someone say alignment. You've got to, if you want the blessing of God, you've got to have alignment. And when you have alignment, what happens? God brings order into your life. When you're aligned correctly, God will bring order into your life. Psalms 37 verse 23. Is this helping somebody this morning? The Bible says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. God orders our steps, and we always say that, well, God's ordering my steps. Well, are you letting him into the details of your life? Because really what is order, when God's ordering us, what does he say? You need to bring some details into your life. And I'm a person, I'm not an analytical person, but I have people around me that are great at analytics. Because they're helpful. I thank God for them. That might not be my gift, but I get it around me. So what is God saying? That you need to have order in your finances. It's called a budget. I'm going to preach over here. It's called a budget. Come on. And you got to have a budget. Why? Well, I'm just led by the Lord. I don't like budgets, and I just felt God wanted me to have this dress. God wanted me to have this, and God wanted me to have that. And then the credit card bill comes, and you're saying, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you got to have order in, in your finances. You got to have order in your business. Nobody shall, hi, guys, we're all here. Aren't you glad we just get to work? Do whatever you want to today. What's going to happen? You're going to go bankrupt. There's an order. The CEO has a job. The CFO has a job. The operations manager has a job. The employees have a job. And we go there and there's an order. And when we all work together in our strength zone, what happens? The company is successful. And guess what? When the company's successful, we get a raise. Come on. Well, that was a revelation to some of you. Come on. You don't just show up. There's an order that's there. In Hebrews 6 verse 1, God says this. He says, through the Apostle Paul. So let us go on to grown-up teaching. Let us not go back over the beginning lessons that we learned about Christ. We should not again start teaching about faith in God and about turning away from those acts that lead to, to death. What is he saying? Get order in your life. You need to get structure in your life. And that's what the Bible is about. It gives us order for marriage, relationships. It gives us orders for family. It gives us orders how do we work. It gives us order, orders of how do we relate to, to, to government. The Bible is the instruction manual, as we mentioned earlier. And, but what do we do? We just want, well, God loves me. Some churches is, God loves me. You're wonderful. You're a child of God. You're a king. You're a queen. We want to even crown the women and put crowns on the king and the men and all the. What are we doing? That's what little children do. 
If you're a king, act like it. The king isn't because you got a crown. It's because you walk in authority. You walk in dominion. You're representing your God. You're bringing order. In the kingdom, there's order. There's function. He goes on and he says in verse 4, some people cannot be brought back again to a changed life. He's talking to Christians. He says they once were in God's light. They enjoyed the heavenly gift. They shared in the Holy Spirit. They found out how good God's word is, and they received the powers of this new world. They experienced God's love. They experienced God's provision. They saw deliverance. They saw healing. But they fell away from Christ. Why? Because they didn't have alignment. They didn't let God into the details of their life. He was Savior, but he's not Lord. It's not just enough to believe in God. 76%, I mentioned this earlier, of Americans believe in God, but only 20% are in church. People don't read the Bible. Even in church, how many Christians don't read the Bible? So we experience the goodness of God, but we're like baby Christians. Just wanting milk. Pray for me. Tell me how good I am. Don't hurt my feelings, please. Don't ask me to give. Don't ask me to serve. Just change my diapers. Come on, those people were at 9 o'clock. I know, you guys are not. (laughs) And what happens? They fall away, and the Bible says it's impossible to bring them back to a changed life because they're nailing the Son of God to a cross again and again and are shaming him. What do they say? They're not respecting what Jesus did, that he gave his life for us, and we call to live our lives for him. That's the gospel. A Christ-centered, cross-centered gospel where we experience the blessing of, of the Savior, but we allow him to be the Lord of our lives and get involved in the details of our life. He says, some people are like the land that gets plenty of rain. The land produces a good crop for those who work in it and receives God's blessing. But other people are like the land that grows thorns and weeds and it's worthless. It's about to be crushed by God and will be destroyed by fire. How many of you know that the weeds and the crops both grow when it rains? And so we can be in the environment But our lives aren't changed. Why? Because we're not making the adjustments. We're not tending our ground. We're not allowing God into those areas of our life. And if we don't allow him in the areas of our life, he's not going to bash through the door and do it. He's a gentleman. Amen? But how many of you want to allow God in your life? Come on. Because we want the blessing. In the midst of the journey, God wants to develop three things in our life. He wants us to have character. Someone say character. Character. What is character? It's Christ-likeness. It's not being like me or Pastor Robert, and you can follow us as we follow Christ, but it's being like Jesus. That's all of our goal. Amen? It's about having charisma. Someone say charisma. Charisma. What's charisma? You're led by the Holy Spirit. You're moving in the realm of the supernatural. We're moving out of limitations. And thirdly, it's calling. Someone say calling. Which what? We're living a purpose-led life. We're on a mission. When Nehemiah was building the wall, all the people came to distract him. He said, I ain't got time for that. I'm building. I'm building. Someone say character. Charisma. Calling. That's the order of God in our life. If we want the blessing, we've got to have alignment. We've got to have order. Number three, when you have that, anointing flows. People, I want a double portion of the anointing. Pray for me. Blow on me. You can't get the anointing if you don't have your life in alignment and there's no order. It'll blow on you and blow over you. Are you here? When our lives are aligned in an order, anointing flows. There's oil in our, in our lives. There's oil in our relationship. There's oil in our business. There's an anointing for truth. For John, 1 John 2 verse 20 says this. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. And what? You will know the truth. What is the primary role of the Holy Spirit in leading us that you know the truth? What's truth? It's order. It's knowing what to do. How, what's the truth in your finances? What's the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But what does he do? He leads us into a life of truth. The kingdom of God is based on truth. Oh, no, it's all about love, pastor. No, it's not about sloppy agape. Because you can't have love if you don't have truth. If your husband ain't telling you the truth of where he's been and who he's been with, you don't have love. They can say, I love you, love you. They don't love, 
Love is based on truth. Because if you don't have truth, you can't have trust. And love always promotes the truth. Are you here? We love our children, so we tell them the truth. Amen? 1 John 2, verse 27. You learning something? It says, but the anointing which you have received, it abides in you. It lives in you. You don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? Teaching us, leading us in life. Just as the disciples said, how do we pray? They taught, Jesus taught them to pray. They said, what, how do we, we do? Do we pay taxes? And he said, render Caesar to what's due to Caesar. Jesus said, I'm going to give you another helper. I'm going to give you another advocate that's going to be with you that will teach you. And he'll take the things that are mine and he'll give it to you. And that anointing begins to flow because our life's in alignment. Our life's in order. And there's anointing. It flows into our business and we prosper. I'm not so smart. But I realize a lot of people out there making money aren't smart either. You ever met some people, you look at them and like, how did they get money? Come on, they're not the brightest people. They didn't get their degree. They didn't get, you know, but they, what are they doing? They were in the right place at the right time. And that's what happens when you're in the anointing. God puts you in the right place at the right time so that blessing can flow over our lives. Hallelujah. The anointing flows through lordship. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of the Lord. In Luke 4 verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Someone say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. When your life's in alignment, when your life's in order, come on, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and he will lead you and guide you. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to, to set at liberty the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are oppressed. What does he do? He brings deliverance. He brings dominion. Every place that our feet shall tread when we're walking in the anointing, come on, we're like a greasy pig. The demons want to grab hold of us, and we just keep going through. They can't get us because we got so much oil on the inside of us. Come on. Well, I'm feeling a bit dry, Pastor. Well, get some oil. Get in alignment. Put things in order, and oil will start flowing in your line. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's being aligned to the king. It's living life according to the order of the kingdom. And the anointing will begin to flow. His righteousness, his all the things you need have needed will be added to you. I'd like the musicians to come. When we put our life into alignment, when we come into order, there's an anointing that flows. And guess what? Blessing flows. God commands his blessing upon our life. But God can't bless disorder. God can't bless what's out of alignment. And so we need to stop blaming God. We need to stop blaming the devil. We got to take responsibility for our lives and the areas that aren't in alignment. Things are out of disorder and put it in disorder. If you're dating and you aren't married, stop sleeping together. I ain't get no amen on that. Well, culture has changed. No, you're open the door to demons. You're open the door to think everything was fine until we started sleeping together. Now she's always suspicious of me because there's no trust. There's no covenant. Put things in order. Well, we can't help ourselves. Well, if they're the right one, get married. Approach your pastors. Get some order in line and, and, and come into a covenant. Well, I don't believe in marriage anymore. Do you believe in God? Because God is for marriage. We didn't get, people, I don't believe in marriage. It's just a piece of paper. No, no, no. It's a covenant that's ordained from God. Because when you get married, it's a man and a woman coming together and God in the center. And come on, we all need God in dealing with the opposite sex. Amen. Put things into order. And I didn't say that in the first service. Amen. Isaiah 1 verse 19 talks about the blessing. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Do you see that? Willingness. It has to do with a heart coming in alignment with God. Obedience has to do with order and allowing God to be in the details. And then anointing flows and blessing flows and you'll eat the good of the land. Come on, I want the church to be eating the good of the land. I love my people. I know your pastor loves you. You know, I love you. And that's what we're in this for. It's not for money. Come on, I can make a lot of money other places. I don't take money from the church. I'm in this to help people be successful. I'm not in this to help people come out of darkness into light and begin to experience the blessing of God and see restoration. 
Psalms 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down over Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing forevermore. I love that picture of the church. That what blessing is flowing is as word is coming from, from our, our leaders and those over our life, it flows down into every area of the church, of, of the people of God. It's like the dew in the morning. This morning I got up and, and I'm from Orange County. We're near LA and we don't have clean air. I got up this morning and I was in the hotel lobby and the doors were open and the, just the beautiful Santa Cruz air was coming in. That marine layer was coming in. And I was reminded of this scripture, how beautiful it is in the morning when you sense the dew that's there. It's a new day. And this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it because God is with us. Whatever comes our way, come on, we got Jesus. No demon in hell can keep us from our purpose. No demon in hell can keep the door closed that God has set for us because, come on, we are anointed. We're coming in the name of the Lord. David had that. He was aligned in his worship. He's aligned in his heart. He comes before Goliath. How dare you uncircumcised Philistine? Who do you think you are? Some little kid couldn't even fit in the army. And in the armor. Takes his little rock. How dare you? Come on, Holy Ghost. And that rock went poof right in the head. Slayed the giants. Come on, you're called to be a giant slayer. You're called to be a history maker. You're called not to be struggling and in the wilderness. God's called us to walk in the promised land. Come on, stand on your feet this morning. Come on, somebody say, God, I want to get in alignment. Come on, what order is God wanting to bring in your life this morning? I want us to just lift our hands. I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit as we have this moment of time. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? It could be a small adjustment. I talked about the chiropractor. Just a little small thing out of, out of place. And what happens? There's pain. There's discomfort. In the car, it's not aligned. But come on, today, let's get into alignment with God. Let's say God bring alignment into my life. Come on, what area is God speaking to you about? Come on, put it in alignment. Put your finances in alignment. Put your relationship in your life. Put your family in alignment. Put your business in alignment. Put your ministry in alignment. Bring the order that God's wanting to bring so that the blessing can come. Come on, these last days, we got to be in the ark. We got to be in alignment with God so that we can weather every single storm. Come on, lift your voice. We're going to talk to him right now. You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Enjoy.